Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. All right, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Today, we're going to continue our series of potential playoff preview for the Houston Rockets, and I'm going to sit down with Tomer Azarli, who covers the Los Angeles Clippers for Clutch Points, to discuss a potential Rocket series with the Clippers, which would happen if they defeat the Nuggets if the playoff standings were to freeze as of this moment and if the season were to start today. All right, let's get into it. Blue Lion. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. <laughs> no! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. All right, we're back with Tomer. Tomer, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Salman. Thank you. I'm good. Trying to survive this uh, self-quarantine, self-isolation time. You know, I I thought I could I could survive this, and because you know I'm I'm really an introverted guy. I'm a homebody. I like staying at home. My ideal vacation is no vacation. Like that that's <laughs> that's my kind of thing. And you know, I I stuck to a schedule. I I was I was doing great. I was like I, all these people complaining. I thought these guys are all wusses. Like well, I'll be able to handle this much better than everybody else. And then yesterday I hit my breaking point because it rained in Houston and. I like to wake up every day and I like to go on a long walk. And when it didn't rain, I was just like, I have to get the hell out of this house. And I was just there for six hours, just like anxious as hell. Didn't know what what to do. And, I, I, you know, as reporters, we kind of take for granted what our jobs allow us to do. You know, get out in the open, go to games for free, do our jobs. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those moments where I'm like, man, I'm so freaking lucky. And, and I took all that for granted. I, I knew I knew it would be a, a major difference in that, you know, obviously there's no sports, but there's no, you know, I think we talk a lot about players having routines, but I think as reporters and beat writers, we also have our routines. Like we get up, we may, we may go to shoot around, may grab a meal real quick. We'll, we'll, we'll go home, get some work done, get to the arena early, um, get there for the, you know, the, the coaches press conference, the, uh, locker room opening, the sort of the on-court shooting. We prep our stuff for the for the game. So I think you know, and then even after the game, we have we have our whole routines down. Um, you know, I, I know I leave. You know, I leave to the to the media room like two minutes left in the quarter just to make it back before the mess happens, especially at Staples Center when it gets crazy. Um, and so yeah, all, all of it is just sort of thrown out of whack, and you realize like now there's like really nothing, and you just have to fill the time with other stuff like your own walks or call of duty or watching 2k tournaments i mean it's uh it's a drastic change it really is it's way harder than i thought it would be yeah and it's one of those things where like you're 100 right about the routines man like i i never related to you more than when you mentioned leaving the game two minutes early to get back before it get, becomes a mess in, in the media room but always yeah, yeah <laughs> it, 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 you're 100 right I mean, and all that's thrown out of whack. And, you know, you, it's starting to get scary because you, you read these columns about how in two to three months, you're going to get a lot of people with more anxiety issues, more, you know, mount, mental health problems. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's really scary. Like, there's going to be a new wave of people that just don't know how to function because they were in, they were cooped up inside their house for so long. Not to mention all the financial burden that some people uh, have to go through right now. I mean, the restaurant industry is taking a beating. Like, some of these awesome restaurants mm-hmm. that we take for granted, they're just not going to be there in a couple months. They're just going to be gone. And that's what's so sad about this. It's crazy to think about about a lot of these sort of uh, small businesses that you, that you might know. You, you know, your friends recommended it to you via word of mouth, and then you ended up there. I know there's a couple out here in LA alone um, that have been closed down, and I've been dying to go to. But obviously, you can't the last couple months or weeks, um, and you just wonder: uh, can some of those survive? Um, and that's just that's only a small a small part of the small businesses that we're talking about. I mean, there's there's so many others out there that we haven't even talked about. From you know, I, I, I can't even begin to name them. There's there's so many in terms of maybe maybe like appliance stores or little hardware stores, all these sort of mom and pop shops, bagel stores. It's just, just there's so many things that'll be affected. And um, yeah, I think this is this is probably the one thing that has affected 
I mean, in my lifetime, has affected everything at one time in terms of just the sh- complete shutdown of everything. Like, you know, there's no parks. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, but some of the rims around cities have been taken out. Uh, basketball rims, so you can't shoot around anymore. Um, you can't you can't even park in, in some places. So it's just they're telling you stay home uh, if you unless you absolutely have to. So um, it's just it's shocking to see. Like I live on a sort of busy street. And last couple of weeks have been dead silent. And it's just like, what is going on, dude? This is weird. It is weird. I walked by a playground the other day and it was surrounded by security tape. And, you know, oh. and before when I first saw it, I was like, that that doesn't make sense. But then you think about it and you think about the amount of kids that, you know, are on these hard surfaces that could potentially be carrying this virus. And it makes total sense. Like, you don't want a playground is the last place you want a kid to be right now. Especially, you know, it's not just one kid there at the same time. You're going to get other kids congregating on this playground. And you have all these hard surfaces. You have all these kids next to each other. You know, if somebody sneezes, you know, that's just, you're just asking to spread the virus around like wildfire. And it's it's, it's very scary. It's very nerve-wracking. Um, we all want this to be over. But, I mean, we're, we recognize that this is the right thing to do. But, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. All of our routines are thrown out of, out of whack. And that leads me to you know the subject of our conversation today, which is Rockets Clippers, a potential playoff series. And I've been kind of playing this parlor game, asking people, you know, in media, in in the league, you know, is do you expect there to be an NBA playoffs this year? And you know, uh, you kind of get a mixed bag of responses, but I, I would weight it probably seventy percent no, thirty percent yes. Um, where are you on that question right now? Um. You know, I had been optimistic for a while um, just because, for example, June seems like so far away right now. Um, even May seems like just so far away. And I, I at first thought, like, obviously there's not going to be any fans if the NBA does return this year. There's no way you can have fans again this year. Um, and I, I, I'm sort of starting to get a little pessimistic towards the it's not going to come back. Um, I, I did think it would come back, but I just – it's too hard. I think. I think if you, obviously, there's a lot of playoff money involved in this. But when you talk about not only impacting this season, but impacting the start of next season and That's all that, because we've thing, heard right? players, yeah, we've had we've heard players simply say we don't want to start around Christmas. We don't want to start around Christmas. We don't want to start. We don't want to have our vacation in like November or uh, you know December, uh, October. Excuse me. We don't want anything like that. They don't want to change up their routines like they usually have throughout the year. So, if that's the case and it sounds like it is. I mean, what option do you have other than to just say, you know what, it sucks. It, it's not the easiest decision. But we have to just toss out the rest of the season and start anew, hopefully, if everything's good, in uh, you know training camp in, in early October and then probably start the season in late October. Uh, again, that, that'll probably be without fans too. I don't anticipate there being any fans for that. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to think that the NBA will not be back this season, which is... It, it couldn't have picked this. Couldn't this couldn't have become at the worst time for the NBA because uh, obviously there's there are more important things like lives at stakes and and just all around the world. But uh, just the I think this is the first year the NBA has had legitimate excitement and for me personally in maybe four or five years. I mean, um, you know when LeBron and the Cavs won, I think that was kind of exciting in 2016, but not really all that surprising. Uh, obviously, KD joined the Warriors, and then it was kind of like all right, we already know what's going to happen. But now it's just like you had so many contenders in in the the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks. Even the Raptors are making some noise. The Rockets made a move at the deadline to to, to just go small ball, and it's like a two K thing. And and I think I was really looking forward to seeing how all of it played out in both conferences. And it's a shame that we really don't get to see it. Yeah, this season in general has just had like this dark cloud that won't go away. And it started with the China stuff in the off season, and then quickly it went to David Stern passing away due to the the brain hemorrhage, and then. Obviously, Kobe Bryant in that tragic tragic helicopter crash, which killed his daughter and seven other people. And, you know, now you have this and it's just like, you know, part of you wants this season to end, right? Like part of you wants this season to just go away and so we can all forget about it. But the Mm -hmm. other part, you know, is what you mentioned, like this playoff race is going to be one of the more exciting, refreshing playoff races we've had since 2014. You know, the last time I remembered there being a true playoff race where there there wasn't really a favorite and 
this was going to be one of those playoff races. You know, the, the Bucks and Lakers were obviously shaping up as probably the favorites in each conference, but I don't think anybody had them down as written in Sharpie at all. Right, like I, I think it was, it was getting pretty clear that we were going to have a really, really exciting playoffs. And you know, I'm not, I don't want to completely write it away because there is, there is a non-zero chance that they, they figure this out. They, you know, they get together in MGM or someplace in Vegas or the Bahamas or whatever, and you know, isolate everyone and, and get a tournament. The logistics of that would be really complicated and difficult. But I'm, you know, the NBA is trying everything they can to save this playoff revenue but it's looking pretty dark today is what i'll say well the, the i mean the ratings are obviously something that would be off the charts if the nba were to return because right now we have no sports in general and this might i mean this is probably the first time in i mean again my lifetime that i've there have been no sports period i mean there's usually always baseball or hockey or nba or nfl or something um and there for there to just be nothing is just it's just incredible. So I, the ratings would be off the charts if the NBA does decide to return. But I just that that would just be so complicated. You mentioned the logistics of it of playing. Like I heard, you know, Austin Rivers was saying potentially playing in the Thomas and Mack Center, which is right next to the Cox Pavilion. If you've been to summer league, you've right, those yeah. two are sort of right next to one another, and that would be a convenient place. But also, um, it's just what would it be like a, a college style where their team lined up waiting to get, to warm up once the game is over? You know, players leave and then these next two teams come up, warm up for like ten minutes, and then they start playing again. All this without fans, it just sounds really weird. And maybe that is the only way to go. And players just have to live with it um, because if it does, if it does save the season uh, and bring in some revenue, some playoff money, I don't think anyone would be against it. Uh, players have also said, you know, aside from not starting the season early next year, that they absolutely want to finish this year, no matter if they're in the playoffs or out of the playoffs, whatever. They want to finish the season. They want a chance to just close out the way they want to. Uh, so there's just there's just so many factors going into this, and I don't even know where you start. Uh, I can't imagine what those meetings are like every single day or those phone calls are like every single day, but um, there's there's definitely talks behind the scenes going on every minute about how to bring this back. Yeah, and you know that doesn't even get into the you know what essential what what classifies as essential personnel in that case is that is that just the head coach is that the entire staff is that does that include medical does that include all the trainers like you know and then you you classify it down to team personnel and front office guys like like who gets to go to this thing is it just you know the twenty players on the court like 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 who classifies as essential personnel for this and and, and it gets even more complicated then. And then you, you you even get into the timing like when does this actually happen like does, is, are we going to be good in June like is is this thing going to die down soon is there going to be a second wave you know you know you hear Doctor Fauci talking about how I think that's the biggest thing yeah right. I think that's the biggest thing right there you mentioned but I think Hong Kong is going through a second wave right now where they've started to close things down as well because they're experiencing it and then if that happens here where they sort of open these back up and, and let guys let people go back to normal at least for a bit. And there is a second wave of, you know, asymptomatic carriers who don't know that they're spreading it. I mean, we could be looking at it like a December sort of shutdown. Uh, it, it could be bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, it could be bad if the, that second wave it does exist. No, I'm glad you mentioned Hong Kong because they actually tried opening up their CBA. And, you know, as you know, that, that didn't work out. Like they, they, they can't continue because of the second wave. And when the weather gets colder, like this, this, this thing may just start back up again. And... That's really, really scary because then you're talking about a potentially impacting next season. And, you know, I, I think the, the uncomfortable subject that nobody really wants to talk about in, in, in terms of the NBA is like the cleanest solution may just be canceled this season. Like the cleanest schedule mm -hmm. uh, impact wise mm -hmm. solution may just be canceling the season. It's the most painful in terms of revenue. But I mean, it's just the easiest way. You have all these. You have all these front offices who have made these decisions to to revolve around this season, and all that goes out the window, and we don't get to see what happens to the playoffs. You know what happens with the Sixers? What happens with the Rockets? With Mike D'Antoni on contract here? You know all these little storylines that everybody talked about going to the playoffs. All that gets put on pause, and we have to we have to go towards next season. It makes it harder, but it might be the easiest way to go about things. I mean, one one of the things that I mean again, this is also down the line. Once you decide to cancel the season or bring back the season, or whatever, um, obviously playoff money is a big part of you know team salary caps next year. Um, and I know you know if we're looking at no final month of the season, no playoffs, 
uh, salary cap is going to be a lot lower than than expected. Teams who thought that they had salary cap space are maybe are they in the luxury now? Like, what are we looking at there? Like, I, for example, Montrezl Harrell for the Clippers. Uh, that was a big storyline for me. I mean, it's again, there there are bigger things in the world right now. But just if you look at the Clippers, um, you know, he had a couple options, I believe, in free agency um, with teams who had money. And now you're just like, well, what happens now? What's what's each player's value? uh with a lower salary cap if that does happen uh but what happens to free agents um there's just so many questions i don't even know where you start with this it's and again if, if they do start at a backup and there's a second wave uh does that affect the start of next season uh i would think it does yeah so. and, and that doesn't even get into the force majeure part of everyone's contract right and players potentially having to give up money for this season and mm-hmm. you know how to, how that impacts salary cap and you know, if the salary cap does lower, like, you know, is there going to be, are there going to be creative solutions here? Are we going to potentially discuss luxury tax forgiveness for owners? Because, you know, like, this is the kind of, this is the kind of talks that happen behind closed doors when there's not really a, an easy solution here, right? Like, this is, this is the kind mm-hmm. of, this, this is where you have to get creative. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But, but we are getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, I, I, let's, <laughs> let's assume there is a playoffs. Let's assume there is a playoffs. Currently, okay. the Ro- the Rockets are slated to play the Nuggets, and if they win that series, they will likely, if the Clippers win their first round matchup, play the Clippers in the second round. If if they if the solution is to freeze the standings and go straight to the playoffs, we are probably going to get Rockets, uh, Clippers in the second round. No disrespect to the Nuggets, I'm I'm just assuming that's going to be a tough series, but the Rockets ultimately end up on top. Is that kind of where you see things right now? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at the standings right now, the Clippers would, would face the Dallas Mavericks right now. And, Which um, would be fun. The Clippers have matched up. Yeah, I mean, it would be really fun. I, I would love to watch five, six, seven games of Luka. I don't think it would get to seven games. I don't think it would get to six either because I think the Clippers have had a good sort of uh, a, a slew of guys they could throw at Luka. So I would expect that to be like, I've, I've said this in other pods, probably like a five-game series, maybe six. I just don't see it. Um, I know Porzingis presents some some matchup issues as well, especially with his shooting. But I just think that the, the Clippers are too good to, to go that far into a series with the Mavericks. So it'd be five games, maybe six, which would set them up with the uh, with the Rockets in the second round, uh, which would be interesting. It would um, be interesting. So I I think this this series may may potentially be. You know, everybody's excited about about Clippers Lakers, right? That's that's the hot ticket right now for the playoffs this year, and I do think that may be the most interesting series on the table. But this might be top three. You know, Rockets Clippers. There's a lot of history between these two teams. Like you're talking Beverly and Russ, Doc Rivers and Austin Rivers, the Chris, the Chris Paul trade. Half of the Clippers crunch time lineup used to be, you know. Former Houston Rockets, you know Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, Patrick Beverly. You have the the tunnel the tunnel gate stuff from two years ago. Like, there's just so much <laughs> to sink your teeth into. Which Austin Rivers started, I believe. He started that by yapping at Trevor Reese on the bench, though. So. Yeah, uh, the culprit, yeah. the starter is on the bench too. So, yeah, there's a lot of different storylines there. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I like the matchup sort of for both teams. I think I think the Rockets have well, not so much for the Rockets. I think I think the Clippers have the the sort of length that you would need to defend the Rockets. Like, I think that would be a really fun series just because of the Rockets' ability to go small, uh, five out, and then that brings out the best in Russell Westbrook. I don't know what that would look like in a playoff series because, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's fewer transition buckets. It, the game slows down. It's more of a half court game. And that's where the Clippers are really good. I, I don't really have, I don't have the Rockets' half court numbers in front of me, but the Clippers have been a terrific half court team all year. Um, so I wonder how that series would look with the Rockets. Um, you know, we, we saw a glimpse of them uh, when both teams were sort of healthy. I think it was like a week before the season the, the season canceled. I think it was March 5th or something like that on Thursday in Houston. Yeah. Uh, the Clippers won that one, 120 to 105. That was wasn't the first pretty. time the Clippers. Wasn't pretty. Yeah, it wasn't pretty on the Rockets side. Yeah, I think yeah. the Rockets shot what? They shot 7 of 42 from three. And so, like, you know, if you watch that game, you there were probably, I would say, Ten threes the Rockets probably should have made at least. They were wide open at least. Um, and so you're talking about a different game then. Um, but yeah, it just I think the Clippers match up really well against the Rockets. And uh, they, ha- they have wings that can rebound. I think that's the biggest thing. 
Uh, Kawhi Leonard can get, averages eight, can give you 12 rebounds a game. Marcus Morris averages about six or seven, can give you 10, 11 a game. Uh, Patrick Beverly is one of the best rebounding guards right there with Russell Westbrook. Uh, Paul George, again, averages about uh, six to seven a game, can also give you 11 to 12. Um, and I, we haven't even talked about Zubat and Montrezl Harrell, who, who can do their damage on the offensive glass as well. So um, I, I personally, I think the Rockets, the Clippers are probably a team the Rockets wouldn't want to see if they had to choose, but it'd be a really fun matchup for us to watch. Yeah, and here's what I'll say. Like, before the season, and I and I don't want to give up too much, but I, before the season, I had the Clippers win the NBA title. And Ooh. I, I, I'm still kind of there. And, you know, because I, I just love the depth of this team. This team is just so versatile on both ends of the floor. Defensively, they have so much length offensively. Not to mention the floor spacing. They just have so many good quality creators on the floor at all times. But I I do think, well, I think, I feel like a lot of people overlook the Rockets in this series in that I don't think, uh-huh. I, I don't think the Rockets will win. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, lead too much ahead because we're going to do predictions at the end of this. I don't think the Rockets would win. But I think most people would have the Clippers winning this in a five to six game series, and I think this is closer to a six to seven game series. And I think most people would give it credit for, if that makes sense, because I think right it does. I just think when you look at what the Rockets did at the trade deadline, I think before before that move, I don't think the Rockets had two quality defenders to throw at the Clippers. And now I think you know with Robert Covington. Uh, in the fold, I think they finally have two quality perimeter defenders to throw at uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and I don't think they had that before. I, I was a little, you know, the the key question here was always Daniel House, and we'll get into Daniel House later. And I, I was always a little shaky on whether or not he could be that guy, but I know Robert Covington could be that guy, and I think I think they they've closed the gap a little bit. I I don't want to put too much weight into that last game. I think these two teams are a little bit closer than, than that last game predicted. But yeah, I mean, I think this would be a closer series and I think most people would give credit for as well, say. Yeah, I, I don't think that last game is indicative of what we could see. Uh, the Rockets are not going to shoot 7 of 42 in a, in, a three, in, a, in, a, in a game against the Clippers. I mean, if you watch that game, like, yeah, it's 7 of 42, but they missed easily, I want to say, like 15, maybe 17 open threes, like just wide open. Uh, and I just don't see that happening from the Rockets again. Um, like, if you look at that game alone, uh, what uh, what was it? Uh, Robert Covington, O of three. James Harden, O of eight. Uh, Macklemore has been Macklemore has been shooting lights out this year, O for three. Uh, you know, House one of five. So it's just that's not going to happen again. I will say though that one of the things that makes me lean towards the Clipper side a bit is the Clint Capella trade because before the before when when he was on the Rockets, he was destroying the Clippers. He was too big for Montrez Harrell to deal with, and too fast for Vicha Zubas to deal with. And so last year alone, last year he averaged twenty points, twelve rebounds against them. This year he averaged fifteen points, sixteen rebounds against them. So he was doing damage against them uh, into two blocks a game as well. He was doing a lot of damage against them, and I think that's where the Rockets had the advantage uh, in Clint Capella. Now it wasn't ideal for Russell Westbrook because he wasn't shooting that well. Um, so you have their new style of offense now. But that that's sort of what I looked at when they traded um, Capella is that arguably like a Clipper killer was sort of off a team that they were contending against. Um, and I, I don't know how much that's being talked about because Capella really, if you watch the games, he really did a number on the Clippers in the offensive and defensive glass. No, 100%. And, and this was going to be my next question, how that trade affects how we view this series. And I think... You know, you, you talk about microball being really effective for the Rockets when, since they since they made that move, and I think there are two teams in the NBA that can match microball and probably do it better. And it's the Clippers and it's the Celtics. And the Rockets have 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 played pretty well against the Celtics. I think the Clippers are the team that you know. You talk about a lineup of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you know, now Marcus Morris at center, uh, and Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams. Like you, they can throw out a five-man unit that matches up with Houston's five-man unit at microball and probably do it better. And that, to me, is like the biggest reason I would probably pick the Clippers in this series. And Uh also, I just think, yes, the Rockets gained that spacing advantage with with having Covington in place for Clint Capella. But as you mentioned, Clint Capella was a big, you know, pain in the for the Clippers, and he was uh-huh. for a lot of it teams. It really was. Yeah, and he was for a lot of teams. Like, the Rockets, 
you know, I, I've heard Matt Moore say this, and I keep saying it on this podcast. The Rockets raised their ceiling with that trade, but probably lowered their floor. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't. I really don't know how that looks for a seven game series because we only got one game of it. I want to see seven games of it. I really hope we get a postseason this year. I hope so. It would have been fun. Um, I think, yeah, to your point, um, just just the the size and the and the the number of guys who can make something happen on the Clippers. Um, yeah, the Celtics are probably the only other team I, I would guess that the Rockets, you know, if they if they meet, obviously it would be in the finals, uh, and that's the team that can give them trouble. Uh, the Clippers and the Celtics, just in terms of their ability to to to, to mix and match guys. Uh, you know, we haven't even talked a bit about, you know, Reggie Jackson and the new improved Clippers bench. Uh, you know, since adding Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams has been shooting like, I want to say 50% from the field and like 52 from three. Uh, so the workload on him has been go- has gone down. His percentages are all up. He's playing a lot better or he was playing a lot better. Um, and so I think, you know, that that second unit with Reggie, with Lou and Montrezl Harrell could have made some noise too. I mean, in that Rockets game, again, not to take too much from it, uh, but the Rockets struggled to defend it. Uh, a lot of it had to do with their own offensive woes, not making shots, but they struggled to defend on, on, on defense. So, um, yeah, if if we do get a playoffs, if you do get a playoffs this year, I think I would really want to see uh, Clippers Rockets, uh, just for the storylines alone. I know Pat would, would be beside himself to play the Rockets again uh, against James Harden. Against Russell Westbrook, who says, "What did he say? Uh, he, he don't do he don't do nothing. He trick y'all. Pat Bev trick y'all." Yeah, that's so, what he said. Um, yeah, and, and and Pat was well aware of all. The, I think I think if there were two teams, he said at the beginning of the season, sort of in the locker room, we were just walking around, and he said Nuggets and Rockets, two teams he kind of wants to see in the playoffs. Um, so I, I'm sure the storylines there would be would be astronomical. I mean, it, it'd be a, a writer's heaven for you and me. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, or even the weather. Visit their website and join today and receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code blue wire all one word all caps bet online your online wagering experts yeah and patrick beverly in the toyota center again like if you're talking about a player that's comfortable playing in that environment it's patrick beverly yeah. would, uh, would they boo him would rockets fans boo him i think they w- I, I think they would cheer him in the intro but i think you know once you get to the games I, I think you know rockets fans have have quickly changed you know their devotions to russell westbrook i mean that's just natural right that's just natural fan right, stuff right right yeah, but he had a lot of his antics done at home in front of that crowd who backed him up. You know, he's I, I've really not to just cut you off there, but you really see the impact he has on a crowd in terms of his ability to just it could be dead in the arena and he'll deflect one ball and, and just get the crowd on their feet instantly. I, I've never seen another player do it like that. It's so easy for him. Uh, and I'm sure he would have a lot of fun with the Houston crowd. Yeah, the only player that I can re- you can really compare to that is like maybe Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart has that kind of ability you're talking about yes. in terms of really yes. getting a crowd out going for yes. you know a charge, a, a steal, that kind of hustle play. Like Patrick Beverly has that kind of ability, and that's something the Rockets you know really missed since the Chris Paul trade. But obviously the Rockets do not regret that Chris Paul trade. You know, getting that <laughs> close to winning an NBA title, I don't think they'll take that away. But um, let's talk about X factors in the series. So okay. if you if you had to name one player, thing, something on the court that you that you want to see or an X factor that will flip the series for you one way or the other, what would it be? Ooh, um, given both teams' play styles, I would say it's Ivica Zubats. If he can stay on the floor and not get run off the court, um, he would give the Rockets so many fits. I feel like. Uh, because Montrezl Harrell is going to get his 25 to 30 minutes a game. But if you can get the starting unit with Ivica Zubats to do damage on the defensive glass, on the offensive glass, um, I think that would be huge because then the Rockets, I mean, the Rockets are not a great rebounding team as it is. I think they, um, you know, they, they that one game they got out rebounded by 21. Um, they, they had a couple games before that I know as well, like against the Knicks and all that. They, would, they got a rebound by like 30, I believe it was, or 25, 30. Um, and so, uh, if if Vita Zubac can can control the paint, control the boards, not get worked out of the game, I think that would be huge for the Clippers. 
Um, now, Montrezl Harrell can hold his own as well. That's not to say he can't, uh, but he's he's more of an offensive weapon for the team. Uh, you know, when they're shorthanded, they play a lot of Montrezl Harrell, but when they're at full health, Ivica Zubac played more because they have a lot of offense around him. Um, so I think, yeah, Ivica Zubac would be my sort of X factor on the Clipper side. No, that's a good pick, and that's kind of the dirty little secret about microball. It, it's really, it's really intended to play guys like Ivica Zubac off the court, and in that last mm-hmm. game, Zubac, you know, he he wasn't played off. Like he played really, really well defensively against the Rockets. Uh, they tried really hard to get him on switches, and Zubac did really, really well. And like, if that happens in a in a playoff series, like that advantage that you've gained, it's negated significantly. Because if uh-huh. if, if Zubac is playing, if Zubac is playable in this series, you've lost. You you've lost the whole point of this, right? I mean, uh-huh. ob- obviously Covington helps you. In, against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but you, the main the main reason you did this trade is for the offensive benefits of having floor spacing and switchable guys. And like, if if you can't play Ivica Zubac off the floor, you've lost the battle. Uh, that's a good one. My, my player as an X factor in this series is Daniel House because before that Clint Capella trade, I, I said I would really I really want to see how Daniel House fares in a lineup against in, in, in Houston's crunch time lineup against the Clippers because I think that's that's really the difference maker if if you can get him to play competent defense and shoot at a 35 to 40 percent clip and do the things that Daniel House has done all season against the Clippers in a playoff series you know people forget Daniel House didn't play again for the Rockets last year in the playoffs like he could not play he was not good enough uh, he had the injury too uh, to be fair but the if if he can play in a Clippers series, like I think Houston's best lineup against most teams in the NBA includes Eric Gordon. But I, th- I think against the Clippers, I think if you were to give the Rockets some truth serum, I think they would prefer Daniel House. Because then you're talking about a lineup of, of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Robert Covington, Daniel House, and P.J. Tucker. Like three switchable wings that you can play on the floor at all times against that Clippers team. That's what you want, right? Like that. Like if if Daniel House mm-hmm. is playing at a good enough level to where he can be that third switchable wing, you're talking about a defense that is much much more sustainable against a team like this. Yeah, I, I agree with that because when you look at PJ Tucker, you know what you're going to get with him, whether his offense is going or not. When you look at Robert Covington, same thing. You know what you're going to get. Um, and then everyone on the bench, I don't think they play enough to, to to the point where you can rely on them much. But Daniel House has really taken his game. Like I've been watching him. I uh, you know, I play a lot of fantasy basketball, so I've been watching a lot of what he's doing on the court. And he, he's a guy who can give you a lot of rebounding as well, a, lot, a, a bit of size on the court. And so if you, can, if you can get him, like you said, to shoot about 35 40% um, and, and play decent, not even great, just decent defense, um, it, it, changes, it changes your team because you have a lot of switchability defensively between Covington, Tucker, uh, House, uh, even Harden, you, you can't really bully ball him in the post anymore. He, he's really good post defender. Um, they have a lot of switchability there. Um, and so Daniel House is a guy you, you, you really have to look at as their X factor in a playoff series. I agree. Yeah, and you're, you talk, when you talk about that ability to guard post players with Harden and, and you know even with Russ at, at points, like that really comes into play when you're talking about Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard loves that mid-post play. Mm-hmm. And and if if you're talking about Harden getting switched onto that, I, I don't think the Rockets are, would hate that matchup. Like I I think they would prefer PJ Tucker, Robert Covington, or even Daniel House. But I don't think you know if it came down to it, and, and the the Clippers were targeting that matchup, I don't think they would hate the point per possession spread they get on it. I would I would like to see that for a seven game series to see what kind of see what kind of damage Kawhi could do on Harden in that kind of situation. Yeah, again, I don't think you can you can you can just go to a guy like obviously Kawhi in the post is a good offensive option. It is, um, but if you're looking at everyone on the Clippers, if it's not PJ Tucker, Covington, I mean, I, I think I think you're you can you can live with Harden because he's 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 got a big frame. What is he six five six six something like that? Six five. Uh, yeah. He, he's got he's yeah six five. He's, he's got he's got a nice build f- for a guard, um, and he's able to 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 sort of handle his own in the post. Uh, so yeah, I don't think it'd be it'd be. Um, ideal for the Clippers, but it's probably the one you want to target if it's not Westbrook, for example. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Clippers don't have a lot of guys who, who bully ball outside of Montrezl Harrell. A lot of them are, are sort of crafty and try to get around you and under you and over you, stuff like that. They don't really try to go through you um, outside of Montrezl Harrell. So I'd be curious to see how they how they navigate, uh, you know, 
being defended by Tucker Covington and Harden. And to be clear, like the Rockets are going to lose the rebounding battle in this series. Like I don't think that's even yeah. a question. Like that that's <laughs> done. Like they, they they've given that up. And that kind of leads me to this my next question, which is what's the most important stat for this series in your opinion and why? And I I think the Rockets have already foregone the rebounding battle. I I think that therefore the most important stat for them becomes turnovers because these two teams are kind of the exact opposite of each other in terms of their play type on offense. The Clippers still run a ton of pick and roll with their ball handlers. It's 22.4% of their possessions, which is fifth in the league. The Rockets uh-huh. hardly run any pick and roll anymore, uh, which is because partly because of the way teams defend them. Like they're dead last at 10.3%. And Houston's, Houston loves to isolate. And I think, you know, right, right now they're at 20%, which is first in the lead. The Clippers are at 6.8%. So they isolate almost three times as much as the Clippers. And I have, a, I have a feeling that the game plan for Houston in this series will be to get a bunch of deflections and steals and force the Clippers to play in that isolation mold and, you know, Play to them where they're most, where they're least comfortable. And I think, I think defensively, that's what they would want. And if 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 they can get those turnovers, they get that. If they don't get those turnovers, you're not you're not moving the Clippers out of their preferred play style. Uh, I think, yeah. Given given the Rocket style of play, I would say turnovers is important for them. Um, it, it, it might. I mean. It might be like an advanced stat. It might be as simple as just like assists and passing, the number of passes in a game. Because the Clippers have had games where they sort of just get into like a, a one-on-one scenario where, you know, Kawhi is talented enough to take guys one-on-one. Marcus Morris did it in New York. Uh, Montrezl Harrell can do it. Lou Williams can do it. Paul George can do it. That's four or five guys right there who can all take it one-on-one. But I think the Clippers have been most effective and, and, and most unbeatable when, when they just move the ball and get everything going. Um, run their sets smoother, uh, set, really set their picks, not just those soft picks to, to, to be there, but really set a pick, um, create some space for the, for the guy coming off the screen, um, and just ball moving and assist. I think, I think if, 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 they're, if the ball's moving and the ball's hopping, uh, that is going to be an important factor there. Um, Doc, Doc Rivers has always talked about um, the way he knows the ball is moving and moving well is when you look at Landry Shaman's shot attempts. Uh, Landry Shamit is a guy who really comes off screens hard all the time, similar to like a, a J.J. Redick or a Steph Curry style. Not at that level, but similar to it. And so when he's taking one or two shots a game, that shows you that the ball's not moving that well. He's not getting very many looks. Um, whereas he's had games where he's gotten a lot of looks, and you look at their passing numbers, their assist numbers, and they're way up. Uh, so that's that's one indicator to how the ball how, how the ball's moving. Excuse me. Um, so I would I would say assists and sort of sort of passing um, is really important for the Clippers just to. Not not to get too comfortable in isolation basketball and play play collectively play play as a unit if that makes sense. No, it's funny and and like that it works in in opposite ways, right? Because the Rockets want them to, the Clippers to play in that isolation style. Therefore, their most important stat is turnovers, and the Clippers mm-hmm. don't want that. And therefore, their most important stat is assists. That's funny. I mean, they, they, that that it it makes perfect sense both ways. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not going to say the Clippers are dead in the water by any means in isolation. Like, they have a ton of good isolation players. Like, they have, they have always obviously Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams. Like, they have a lot of really, really good one-on-one players. I'm not sure if I would put Marcus Morris in that, in that category. No, I mean, he wasn't He's great, there, but yeah. It, yeah, yeah. In New York, he was doing a lot of that, and he hasn't really done it well in L.A., but I'm sure he could. Like, we saw against the Rockets, he got very comfortable from the mid-range and just started firing away. And uh, those are shots that'll sort of like, make you go, okay, what are you doing? Come on now. So, no, no, I, I, I 100% get what you're saying. What's a matchup you want to keep your eye on for this series? So I'll, I'll go first. I think, I think the matchup I, I I'm, I'm going to watch, and I'm probably most interested in. You know, the obvious one's going to be Beverly and Harden, right? Or Beverly and Russ. I think it's probably, gonna, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably uh, what most people would say. I, I think what I would say for a Houston's point point of view, I think the most important matchup for them would be pj tucker on Kawhi leonard if they can keep you know Kawhi's gonna Kawhi's gonna have his games no matter what right he's he's gonna he's gonna play really really well no matter who's guarding him but if they can force him to take those you know he's really good in the mid-range but if they can force him to take tough contested mid-range jumpers then they've had a you know a decent that they've done their job defensively 
But if 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 Kawhi is comfortably playing where he wants to play, and he's taking you know pull up three pointers, and he's he's doing what he's most effective at doing, like that, then they've lost that matchup. I think PJ Tucker on Kawhi Leonard is Houston's most important matchup. What about you? How does it work the other way in your opinion? Um, we know the stars in this series are going to get their own. I mean, you can't shut these guys down. No. Uh, Westbrook's going to get his, whether he's shooting 11 of 25 or 11 of 15. Uh, same with Harden. He's going to get to the line. He's going to get his numbers. Paul George, same. Kawhi Leonard, same. I think when you look at sort of, um, the, uh, the first other guy in the starting unit anyways, Robert Covington and Marcus Morris, uh, both are sort of streaky shooters. Um, Robert Covington has his games where he can go, I think, maybe like 5 of 7, and then I've also seen him go like 0 of 4, 0 of 5. Um, and that really really hurts, makes or breaks the Rockets. Uh, and same with the Clippers. You look at the, the game they lost against the Lakers, it was a close one, and Marcus Morris was 0 of 9. It was just one of those games where you just can't buy a bucket. So I think both can hold their own defensively, both can contribute offensively, but if their three-point shooting is going down, um, I think that'll be pretty instrumental to, to uh, each team's success. Now, I mean... There's so many other matchups you could look at. You mentioned Beverly and Westbrook. Uh, I think whoever James Harden is guarding, probably be Paul George oftentimes, uh, is an interesting one as well. But uh, like we said, those guys are going to get their numbers, um, whether they're being defended by the best player or the worst player. So um, I think Marcus Morris and Robert Covington, uh, if I had to choose non-star matchups, th- that would be an interesting one just because um, whatever other guy can contribute, that would be just a huge boost to their teams. By the way, I don't mean to dismiss how interesting of a matchup whoever the hell Patrick Beverly is going to guard is. Like that's always going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and what's interesting is you would think the Clippers would put him on you know Russell Westbrook, but they've put him on Harden pretty consistently, and he's done a really good job. The thing is, he has a tendency to over foul when he's when, when he's guarding Harden. I think he's gotten fouled, yes. fouled out three times, or has he gotten fouled out? Did he get fouled out in the last game? I don't remember. Uh, he fouled out once, uh, twice, and let's see, the third time he also fouled out. Yeah, he fouled out three times this year. The other one was the blowout win in Houston. Right. So, so he's he's fouled out a lot when guarding Harden, and you know, for those nineteen to twenty minutes that he's playing, he's he's obviously doing a really good job. But the Clippers need Patrick Beverly to stay in the game for 25 to 30 minutes per game in the playoffs, especially against this specific team, because he could really be a really effective you know, weapon against the Rockets. But yeah, that's also, I don't mean to dismiss how interesting of a matchup that is. Yeah, I, I, Beverly is, uh, Beverly is, is, is unique. Uh, he knows, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this game against the Utah Jazz last year where um, the Clippers played, I believe it was the Jazz, yeah. And I think the Jazz just got matched up with the, with the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. I think it was the last game of the season. And you could see at center court, uh, Patrick Beverly was, was giving advice to Jay Crowder about how to defend James Harden. You could see yeah. him do the hooking motion and sort of the defensive slide motion. And um, that, that's, I think, one reason why we'd, we'd, we'd really see Pat on uh, Harden is because he played with him for four years. He knows or Three or four years, whatever it was. And he knows all his antics. He knows... He knows, for the most part, what Harden likes to do, how he likes to get to his spots. Um, and obviously, you can't stop Harden, but you can do what you can to make it difficult for him to get to his spots. Um, I think Patrick Beverly's um, his basketball IQ is not talked about a lot, but he's a very smart player. Um, you watch him before the game in the locker room. He's got headphones on. He's locked into his iPad. I've seen him call over players who were, who were sort of you know taking it easy pregame, and he's like, yo, you know, when they come off this screen, this is what you got to do. You got to trap one time. You got to do this one time. And it's just like he is just locked in and he's watching everything. He's holding everyone accountable as well. And so I think that when you look at who he's going to defend, um, Harden would be a really fun matchup to watch. That would be uh, – and Harden's never – you know, I think even when, when Westbrook made his comment about uh, Pat Bev trick, y'all, Harden sort of defended him saying, you know, Beverly plays hard. He, he plays good defense, plays hard. So I think there's a respect factor there too as well. So – uh, you know, I tried to ask Beverly once about um, Harden's antics, and he said, no, they're not antics. He's an MVP caliber player. He's really good at what he does. He's, he's a great freaking scorer. And so there's mutual respect there as well. So um, I expect no love lost on the court, but there is love between them. So Oh, for sure. Like, these guys were brothers when they were in Houston together. Pretty inseparable. And I, I don't I don't expect that to change, even if if, they, if these guys play a seven-game series against each other. But on the court, you're right. It, it does not matter. Um. 
You know, it's interesting. I actually disagree with the idea that Russell Westbrook can't be shut down for a series because I think you can get into his head, and I think you saw that in that Utah series in terms of Thunder Jazz from a couple years ago when uh-huh. Westbrook got really locked in on Rubio, and he, he let that matchup get in his head, and he let the fact that Rubio would have these awesome games get in his head, and then he, and then he would, you know, I'm not sure if you remember that press conference where he was like, I'm going to shut that down. And and the yes, next game, yes, of course, he zoned in on on Rubio, and he just he got beat. He got like he got killed for it because he made that the center of his focus instead of uh-huh. the series as a whole. And I think you really can take Westbrook out for a series. And Beverly is one of the, one of the players I think you can do that with if the Clippers, you know, decidedly make that shift. Which it will be interesting if if they do make that shift because as you said, he knows Harden better than anyone on the court. Uh, who guards? Westbrook for a seven game for this series is, is interesting. If if the Clippers decide to throw someone else other than Westbrook, I, I'd want to know who that's going to be. So I I just don't think they they'll have one guy. That's the thing that I've noticed about the Clippers. They they don't have one guy they want to designate on on someone. Uh, obviously, in, early in the regular season, you had a guy like Mo Harkless. You didn't want to tire out Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, so you threw Mo Harkless on point guards. But they can alternate between uh, Pat between. Uh, Paul George between Kawhi Leonard. Those are all three really great options. Um, if you had to pick a fourth option, a decent one, uh, Reggie Jackson's length is interesting. He's also a former teammate of Russell Westbrook's from OKC. Um, again, not, not going to shut Westbrook down, but I think he can, he can give him some issues. Um, I, I, the only reason I say you can't, you can't shut down Westbrook is because this new play style gives him so much room on the court that I feel like he can get his at certain points in the game. Uh, whereas before, I think, you know, when you look at, uh, who was in that series, it was, it was Russ, it was PG, who was their third best player, like Steven Adams. Andre Roberson or Steven Adams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know if, if, if that, if you, it's, it's a different play style, which is why I just don't think you can shut Westbrook down completely anymore. Um, but you know, we only saw a month of this small ball. So maybe, maybe teams figure it out. Maybe a team like the Clippers fig- figures it out down the stretch, uh, and in the playoffs. But, uh, just, just basing off. The way they were playing, I just think it'd be really hard to shut down Westbrook. I think you can force him into like a, you know, ten of twenty-five shooting night, uh, which I think you take as as a defense. Uh, you know, ten of thirty, eleven of thirty, whatever it is. I think you can take that as a defense. I just don't think you can shut him down completely. Uh, here's a question: How small do you think the lineups get? And what I mean by that is, like, I think the Rockets in the regular season have tried to keep it at eight to ten guys, but I think in the playoffs, like guys like Jeff Green. Guys like uh, Tabo Cephalosha, like guys like 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 that, are gonna fall out of rotation pretty quickly. Who for the Clippers do you think is gonna fall out, or do you think anyone's gonna fall out? Do you think the the Clippers will keep it tight, or do you think the Clippers will try to play the same unit they did in the regular season? Um, it's basically who can't play in this series, basically. Yeah, yeah. Again, it it, it might be Zubac in that in that you have to really watch if, if they play him off the court, he might not play more than ten minutes a game, um, but. I, I can see them going 9, 10 deep. Uh, just because you have Landry Shamit, who went through a big playoff series last year against the Warriors, uh, he's capable. Reggie Jackson's been through his battles. He's capable. Lou Williams is capable. Montrez Harrell is capable. Uh, Jermichael Green held his own last year as well. He's capable. And so I think that, you know, when they were healthy, they were, I think, they won the nine games when they were healthy, and they were, I think, 6-0 and oh until losing to the Lakers. Um at full health, they were six and hour, seven and hour, whatever it was, and so uh, I just think that they're deep enough and and they they have enough veteran leadership with each unit that they can hold each other accountable and play ten deep. Now I might be completely wrong about that. Doc Rivers might just yank Zubats early, might not play Landry Shamit as much. We've seen him be a little uh, short leash with with Landry Landry's minutes. Um, but he's been so crucial to the second unit because his floor spacing is, is incredible. You can't leave him open or he's going to make you pay. Um, so I think, I think this team can – the Clippers can easily go um, 9 to 10 deep in the playoff series. I don't think they, they trim it that much, uh, especially the way they match against the Rockets with both the first and the second units. Yeah, and coaches are pretty coy about their lineups in the regular season. And once you get to the postseason, you see them shut that – down really quick like right, I, rem- right. I remember last year uh you saw immediately steve kerr go to andre Godala starting for the for the warriors against the rockets they did not mess around they, they didn't go to anybody else uh that they, they they didn't let any center play on the court and i think 
there's a possibility you get that with Doc. Doc likes to play a long, long rotation. I've noticed that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if he can do that. I think Reggie Jackson could potentially be one of those guys that it's really hard to play. But who knows? I mean, right, it, right. It, defensively, like the Rockets aren't really that impressive. Maybe Reggie Jackson is so good offensively that, that you, you're capable of playing him. It's hard to predict without seeing Reggie. It. Reggie was one of those guys I thought was sort of like a, a regular season addition, just to give Lou some 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 you know take some weight off his shoulders, take some weight off Pat's shoulders, uh, playmaking wise because they were bringing the ball up a lot. Uh, I I asked both Lou and Pat about that, and they're like, "Yo, this guy's taking a lot of weight off of us." You know, he's he's able to rebound, he's able to lead the break himself, he's able to playmake, and it's allowing us to just do our thing, uh, just w- not consume as much energy to do our thing, if that makes sense. So. Um, yeah, he may have just been a regular season uh, play, but I think the Clippers are also a team that's sort of built in that, you know, game one, it might be Ivica Zubac who has 15 and, 15 and 12. Game two, it might be Reggie Jackson who has 15 points, eight assists off the bench. Landry Shaman might have a big game three. It's not going to be the same guy all the time. Uh, and I think that's where they're dangerous. And I think that's where, to your point, they could go uh, eight deep instead of 10 deep, but each game it'll be sort of someone different uh, making an impact whether it's the first first unit or second unit. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to see me criticize the Clippers team very much, to be honest. I love this roster makeup. <laughs> like, this this roster is just so hard to dislike. And you, you go up and down the roster. Like, each guy contributes something. But that, that, that brings me to my next question, because... It does get interesting who the who the Clippers really lean on in the crunch, in crunch time because I remember when the Rockets were this deep like two years ago when they won sixty five games you would see a different crunch time lineup every single time and I'm I'm wondering if the Clippers are that kind of team or do you see a clear five kind of shape out there? Uh, I I've been asked this before and I I haven't seen enough um, crunch time Clippers to really know especially when they're healthy. Yeah, they're really um, good. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many options. That's the thing, because uh, Zubats likely isn't going to play down the stretch. But if you need a big man who can defend the rim, you can play him. Um, way I've seen it is is if the Clippers are ahead, um, they'll play Patrick Beverly um, because they 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 just need they want to hold their lead. Um, but if they're down in crunch time, they'll play more Lou Williams, more Reggie Jackson because they need more offense. Uh, that being said, I think Beverly's too good to not play in crunch time. So I think you'd have to go with you know. Kawhi, PG, uh, Beverly, um, probably Montrez Harrell, and even, that's when it gets complicated because you can you can mix and match so many different lineups, so many different guys. You can go micro ball to match the Rockets up and just put like Kawhi at center um, to sort of match PJ Tucker if you want, or you can put up uh, Montrez Harrell and Marcus Morrison, you know, in there late. So um, last shot, I mean, obviously it's got to be. Kawhi Leonard taking the last shot, I think. I mean, if it yeah. comes down to it. Uh, but, again, I think so much of, the, of their game works on a bit of ball movement so that it won't always be Kawhi looking to score. He can, uh, but if you remember that, uh, I think it was November game between the Clippers and Rockets. Uh, the Rockets had a six-point lead with about a minute left, and it was a corner three from Lou Williams, uh, a wing three from Paul George, and a um, it was a, a, a mid-ranger from Kawhi take the lead over pj tucker so it was like anyone can give you a bucket whenever you need it so i don't think there's like one guy on this team which i think is another thing that makes him really hard to defend um lou williams if he's hot you can't stop that guy uh paul george before he suffered the hamstring injury he was shooting i think 40 percent from three on 10 attempts which is insane that that's really good uh and Kawhi is Kawhi. we've seen what we can do in the playoffs so um I wish we saw more of this team because I don't I don't know what kind of lineups they want to use in crunch time. When they were healthy, they were blowing teams out, unfortunately. So uh, not not too much we can work with on that end. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I didn't hear you mention the guy I was really looking at. Like, Jamichael Green seems like an obvious kind of foil to what the Rockets are doing in that you can you can also you can also play micro ball with like four wings with the Clippers because they have such versatility when you have George, Leonard, uh, Green, even Morris to some extent. You, when you play all those guys at once, you have such versatility and such length. Like You're not sacrificing length when you're playing micro ball with the Clippers. You are with the Rockets. Right. You're not with the Clippers. Like The Clippers it's, are big and small at the same time. Yeah, Jermichael is a guy who, I mean, if you need... 
to space, you know, floor spacing out there late in the game and solid defense, he can give that to you. Uh, I I think he really impressed last season, last postseason when he took on Kevin Durant. And you're not going to stop KD, but he held his own. He he kept up with KD's footwork. He, he stayed in front of him as best he could, um, and really impressed me. And I think a lot of fans were surprised by how he was able to to do that. And so obviously that's why they resigned him. He hasn't found a, a, a spot in the rotation consistently because of the injuries they've needed more offense so they've played more trez um at times but he'd been he'd been on on a good roll before uh the season came to came came to a pause um just because when they were healthy like i said they were able to go first five and then second five um just sort of right away there's no starters with that second unit they put reggie jackson lou williams montrez harold jermichael green in there and landry shaman and those five just go out there you know three guards obviously uh, and not not a traditional big man, but they can floor this. They can space the floor out. They can cause the problems. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't name Jermichael Green, but there's so many options there. Uh, Jermichael Green is, is 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 perfect, I think, for what the Clippers want to do against the Rockets. Um, but so are so many guys. If you want to, if you want to cause some havoc defensively inside with with Montrezl or Vitsa Zubats. No, for uh, sure. There's just I, there's so many there's so many different options. It's kind of it kind of sucks that we were, we weren't able to see them. Uh, play more crunch time games at full health. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to hurt them in the playoffs. I, I think they're more than capable of throwing out a five. I think this is a problem Doc Rivers would like to have, right? Um, but you know, you, you look at you look at the roster, and I think there's a distinct possibility we never see Kawhi guard Harden in this series. Like not once. I think there, I think there's there's a real possibility that the Clippers. Never have to use that. Like, I, I do. Do you think oh. we'll ever see that? Because you, you look at the you look at the defenders the Clippers have, and I, I think they'll start games with Beverly on him, and I think you'll see you know you'll see George get some time on him. I think you'll see um, Green get some time on him. I think you'll see even Shaman. I think I could see potentially guarding Harden. I, I think there's a distinct possibility we see a Clippers Rocket series where Kawhi never guards Harden. Do you think? Do you think? Do you ever? Do you even see that as a possibility? It's possible. I don't think it's probable, uh, just because the Clippers want to throw multiple looks at Harden and Westbrook um, as many as possible, just to not give them the same look and get comfortable doing one thing. I don't or, think I guess, they'll one need player. to. Is what I'm saying. Like, so I, you think you think Beverly and George will be enough? Well, th- that's what's interesting because you, lately you've seen teams with Kawhi not put him on the best player, and so they've actually started putting Kawhi on the best player right away. Uh, in, in this sort of six-game win streak they had before the hiatus, they put him on uh, Devin Booker to start, John Morant to start. Uh, just the, the opposing team's best guard is who they put him on. And he was really causing some 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 issues for them. And so I don't know. Obviously, a playoff series is different. Um, but I, I, it'd be hard for me to believe that he doesn't guard Harden at all. Um, I, I, think, I think they'd throw him here and there. It, it, it's just my wild prediction that I, I, I just, I just want to see how much time, if any, Kawhi gets on Harden? Because again, the Clippers are one of those teams where like you don't need that luxury. Like like that that's how wealthy this team is with defensive versatility. They have right. they have so many capable guys to guard Harden. And if they want to, they might never have to use that option. But I mean, in crunch time, you know, it's it's very possible. We we will see it. We'll see. Um the big question, who wins in how many games? I guess uh, you go first and I'll end it. Um, I would say the Clippers having home court advantage. Uh, I would say Clippers in six. Um, I do think the Rockets don't go down easily, but it'll be it'll be one of those close six game series, you know, with with a, with a tight point differential. Won't be more than more than thirty or something, um, twenty five thirty. But I think the Clippers win this one in six. I don't I don't see the Rockets giving them a game seven. I just don't see it. I have the same exact thing. I have Clippers and six. Um, this is this is still my team to win the title, man. Like I, like I just the more I talk about this team, the more I watch them. I just can't get over their roster makeup. Like they built this team so beautifully, and I think going into the playoffs, they're they're able to match up with any team. And I think you know the reason 
they're not having the same point differential or net rating that teams like the Lakers and Bucks have is because they're resting a lot of their guys. You're not seeing a fully healthy Clippers team that often. You're not you, you they don't get the opportunity to get in rhythm and get those high uh, blowouts like like the Lakers and Bucks have, and I think if they had played all season with a healthy or not healthy or not resting lineup, I think you would see the Clippers have a net rating that's up there with the Bucks and the Lakers. I I, I really do think at full health, this is the best team in the NBA. Yeah, they they you go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean that th- that's that's just how I feel about this team. I really feel like I can't see a team that matches up versatility wise with them. Maybe the Bucks. The Buck the Bucks are one team I don't want to mm-hmm. dismiss. Right. I, I I will say, though, that the, the Clippers have only played 11 games at full health this year. Um, Paul George suffered, uh, you know, he missed the beginning of the season due to the um, shoulder surgeries he had. Missed the first, I think, 10 or 11. Um, suffered a hamstring strain uh, and suffered two more hamstring strains after that, actually. And so I think when you when you look at that, um, they just haven't haven't had proper time to play together they they played 11 of their 64 games at full health and they went 10 and 1 in those games the only loss being the loss of the lakers um just before the nba hiatus started so um i don't Kawhi missed eight games due to, due to load management um three were due to injury so uh yeah they pat bev had a couple injuries as well lou williams so they were pretty banged up all year i think they were just starting to to get healthy and play together um before the nba came to a pause i think that's that's one of the biggest sort of bummers we had is that the Clippers finally got healthy and now, you know, we, we can't see them play. So, um, yeah, I think, I think fully healthy Clippers in six would, would be able to beat the Rockets. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised though, if it was one of those, remember the, uh, the Cavs Pacers series from a few years ago, um, not the Oladipo LeBron one, but the Paul George LeBron one where it was a four game sweep, but it was like a 16 point differential in total where every game was like a two point win, three point win, something like that. No, I remember. Yeah. It, it, it got, I, it got really feisty in those first three games particularly. Yeah. I think it could be something like that between these two teams where it could be like, Clippers win in five or, or, you know, but it's like a, a 15 point differential in total where the Clippers won each game by like two points or something. And it was, it went right down to the wire. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that either. No, I, I, I agree. Like, I think this would be a really fun series. Like I say Clippers in six. And at the same time, I don't want to dismiss the Rockets because I think, I think the Rockets uh, have a potential to make this series really, really exciting. And really exciting in a way where like mid series we may not know who wins even though before the series mm-hmm. we had a pretty good idea it was the clippers yeah I, I i really wanted to see the Rockets' small ball work in the playoffs because the only time i've seen a team do this is you know when people do it in 2k in my team and they just put out a bunch of guards a bunch of forwards and they just run run the game um and so to see it in real life uh on an nba team uh, i really wanted to see the playoffs in part just to see how the Rockets would fare. Could, could they create some, some crazy matchup problems and, and come out of nowhere to, to make a, a nice run in the West? Um, or would it just backfire completely? Um, I, I, I hope we get a playoffs to find out. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the big questions I had before the NBA hiatus started was like, what if this team wins the title? How does that affect roster constructions for NBA teams in the future? Like do, do other teams try to emulate this, right? Like do, do other teams decide, you know what? We don't need a Zubach anymore. We can just play our best five guys every single time down the floor. We don't even need this, this uh, big man out here. Like we, we can just go uh, look for versatility, look for playmakers and floor spacing at all times. And that's the, the best way to build NBA teams from now on. You know, th- th- that's a bummer for me too. Um, so you mentioned that the Clippers had just started to get rolling before the hiatus. Do you think this hurts or helps them uh, if the playoffs were to start, let's just say in June? Um, I think it hurts them. I think it hurts a lot of teams. Um, but I think chemistry and uh, flow to a game is something you can't just bring back up after a long break. Um, you know, forget forget the whole getting into games and all that stuff. Uh, just having a feel for one another. They, again, they've only played 11 games fully healthy, and the, I think five or six of them came before the break. So um, getting that feel for one another is huge. Uh, teams like the Bucks, teams like the Lakers had it. Teams like the Rockets even had it. Um, the Clippers were getting there. So I don't know... Um, I think I think they are affected by that. I think you see them if the season does resume in June. I think you see them come out of the gate a little slower than other teams. Um, you see them try to figure each other out again on where they like the ball, which where spots on the floor, um, and then go from there. 
But, you know, in terms of teams coming back from the hiatus, I feel like the Rockets, the Bucks, and the Lakers have an advantage because um, just because they, they've been healthy for the most part and they've been playing together for a while. So, uh, But that's not to say the Clippers wouldn't figure it out. I think they'd figure it out within a, a week. But, um, I mean, do they pick it back up with the playoffs and no regular season? That's, that's going to bring up some really ugly basketball the first couple of days. Yeah, and I, I think if you ask players around the league, I think they would all prefer a runway up to the playoffs. But... Mm-hmm they may not have that luxury. Like it, it may just be like a take it or leave it kind of thing. Like if you want to finish the season off, we may just have to start in the playoffs, which would create possibly the un- the ugliest first round in NBA history. Right. But, uh, it's one of those things where, hey, get that revenue. Like if, if, if you have any possibility, if you have any way to complete the season to get that revenue, forget ugly basketball. We want We want the salary cap to remain as intact as we possibly can. Well, two things though. I think you can you can throw in a week a week just to of like three games two games maybe um, just to get guys back into shape. The, the biggest thing is looking at injuries and and guys um, obviously are playing at a at a level they hadn't played in months. So injury is going to be a big factor there. Another thing is whoever wins the title if they do bring this up bring the season back up do they have like an asterisk next to them after, at the end of the year? Is there like a question mark behind that? Like oh they wanted during the coronavirus year. It's possible. I mean, I, I, I personally wouldn't give it give the team an asterisk because I just think winning an NBA title is just an unbelievable feat, no matter how you win it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I do, I do think a lot of people would view that title a lot differently. Kind of in the same vein, you view a lockout title, right? We have nothing to compare this to, so I don't really know how other people would react to it. But I do think, I do think the vast majority of media. The vast majority of players, the vast majority of front office members, they all want the season to continue in some some form, shape, or fashion. But right. it, it's really a matter of logistics and a matter of how, when, can you, you know, th- th- is this curve going to slow down? Or As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, are we going to get a second wave of coronavirus? We, have, we have no idea. There's just so many unknowns. But hey. Uh, we got a solid podcast out of it. Hopefully, we do get Rockets Clippers in the second round. Hopefully, this is a series. Uh, hopefully, we can refer back to this podcast when previewing this series. And uh, hopefully, I see you down the road and we can you know meet in person and do another podcast possibly. I I hope so. Thank you very much for having me. Um, just having basketball back would be amazing. So at this point, um, I'd settle for anything. Like even this two K tournament's entertaining. Like I. I <laughs> What else is there on, you know? Like, I've watched <laughs> no. enough movies and TV shows. I need something sport-related. So, uh, But, yeah, if, if it does come back, hopefully we see each other down the line. Uh, bring this podcast back up. Bring back some of our takes. See if we're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. And, um, yeah, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. For sure, man. Uh, stay healthy. All right, that was Tomer Azarli of Clutch Points. You can follow him on Twitter at Tomer Azarli. You'll find his at in the description of this podcast. Uh, make sure to give us five stars on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. We're going to continue the series. We're going to continue podcasting throughout this hiatus. I told you guys I would not slow down, and I will continue that. We're going to continue our Rockets Rewind series the next episode, and I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. All right, guys. Good night.